What's up, everybody? It's Phil The Voice, your pastor here at Nations Church, Los Angeles. I'm so excited that you've come and you've taken time out of your schedule to join with us in this week's broadcast. I'm excited to share my sermon with you. So we just pray right now in Jesus' name that your life is transformed. We declare and decree healing, transformation, and life change in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's get into the sermon as I keep it real with God and I keep it real with you. Secular historians validate the life, death, burial, and watch this, resurrection of Jesus Christ. One in particular, his name was Josephus. He spoke of Jesus and over 500 eyewitnesses that claimed to have seen him hear this, but they didn't just randomly claim to have seen him post-mortem or after he had died, but they claimed to see him at the risk of their own very lives. The apostle Thomas whose scripture tells us touched the side of Jesus and, and touched the hands of Jesus because he did not believe or recognize the risen Lord because of his scars. Jesus says, come, touch. And when he was convinced, Jesus said, blessed are those who believe without seeing, but watch this, he sends them out. And church history tells us that Thomas died on the streets of Calcutta, India, skinned alive from head to toe. Glorifying Jesus, Peter, prayed that they would not crucify him in the same manner of his Savior, but church history and secular historians tell us that he was crucified upside down, St. Peter's cross, because he was not, in his words, worthy to die the same death of his master. And so they hung him upside down at his request, and he joyfully, and scripture teaches us with praise in his mouth, forgive me, history teaches us, with praise in his lips, received his his entryway into eternity. It's often been said that people will lie to get something from you, but ain't nobody going to lie knowing that death is at the end of that lie intentionally. In other words, people do not lie knowing that the end is death if they love their own life. Scripture teaches us every man takes care of his own body and nurtures it. We have a natural innate desire to protect ourselves. Can I hear an amen? But for some reason, hundreds and even thousands of Christians in the first century were sawed in half, thrown into boiling vats of oil, thrown before hungry beasts to be killed for their faith, to which many were seen, hear this, on their knees in prayer with glorious expressions on their face as they died for the Savior, Jesus. Jesus, who, who died on the cross and rose from the dead. They died with joy. That's not normal. Matter of fact, many of the first century martyrs saw Jesus, followed him before he had died, and followed him after. They saw him both in his normal state in his 33 years and in his glorified or semi-glorified state before he had yet ascended to the Father. People, they put their lives on the line. People, they, they lost their lives with joy because they believed that Jesus really lived. Over a thousand years before the birth of Jesus, biblical scholars, excuse me, biblical prophets wrote down in scrolls prophecies. There was a big 500-year gap where over 300 prophecies were written about the life of Jesus. And Jesus fulfilled them up until the point of how many pieces of silver that he would be sold out for, up until the fact that his good friend would sell him out, up until the fact that these prophecies, 500 years, some of them before he was born, 
talk about the piercings in his hands and his side. Jesus fulfilled these prophecies. The, the statistics for Jesus just to fulfill three of these specific ones, his place of birth, the piercings in his hands and his friends selling him out for the 30 pieces of silver. The, the statistic probability for him to fulfill just those three, hear me, would be like this, filling the earth up with silver dollars to knee height, spray painting one red, throwing it into the world from outer space, and, you know, going in, you know, through the atmosphere, and mixing it all up, and then coming in from outer space, randomly landing on any place of the earth, and the first one you pick up being the red silver dollar. These are the statistic prob statistical probabilities of Jesus doing what he did. Friend, no other person split time in half. No other name is so controversial that every time it's lived, it doesn't matter if it's Buddha or Krishna or Mohammed. But when you say Jesus, people start waking up and getting offended. No other name invokes such a radical response as Jesus. Beloved, I want to tell you today, we can look at the historicity of Jesus. We can look at the life, death, burial, and resurrectional proofs of Jesus. But the Bible says, as we just have and can continue to, but the Bible teaches us that the fool says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And God wants you to know today, despite your life and the good, bad, and ugly that you've been through, Jesus really lives, and his life makes a difference for you today. You might say, why would this rabbi who lived these 2,000 plus years ago, the son of a carpenter, why would he have any relevance to my life today? Well, the scripture teaches us he was not like just any other man, but he was God who came in the flesh. He was in all points tested, the scripture says, and he lived a life that was sinless. It was less than sinful. He never sinned. Matter of fact, he reflected the image of God perfectly to this world so we can look back at him and say, that's how you should live. Mahatma Gandhi has been quoted to have said, oh, I love your Jesus, but can't stand your Christians. I want to encourage you today. We haven't always represented him well, but it doesn't take away from the fact that he's still the perfect, sinless Lamb of God who, if you believe on him today, can take away your sins. Give him praise in this house. Growing up in a, in a family where my mother was Mexican and my father was Jewish, we often had philosophical discussions. We may not have called them that, but that's what they were, about why did our people have to go through what they went through in Nazi Germany? Many people have even said to me, even my own grandmother has said to me, my own Jewish grandmother, well, if God is so good and loving, why has so much evil happened to our people? Can I tell you one thing? For a person to say evil exists, he, he or she implies that good exists. And he or she also implies that there is some sort of rule to be able to distinguish between good and evil. But if there's some sort of rule, then there also has to be a rule giver. Can I hear an amen? 
But who is that rule giver? We're trying to disprove him if we don't believe in God. Is it you? So how can you, just a highly evolved primate, even make a truth claim that something is good or evil? You can't because you're basing it upon your own wisdom, your own opinion. And we know that opinions come a dime a dozen. But if God is who he says he is, and if like Jesus said, we were given the law, and if Paul, like he says, we were given the law to reveal our sinfulness and show God's holiness, his character, what he expects, then we can look at this world and say, you know, despite all the mess ups and how many times we've let him down and others have hurt us or our families, hear this today. There may be purpose to this whole equation. And I will present to you this concept today. If God, which he is, is love, like he says, if he says that he is love, well then love, think about this, cannot exist outside of two people choosing what I said earlier, each other. Free will. God will not rape or molest. God will wait and invest. And that's what the king does. He waits and invests in your life. And just because you've went through hardships doesn't mean that God doesn't love you and that God doesn't have a plan for you. Can I hear an amen? What it means is that God actually loves you so much that he'll let you run amok and do life your way and feel the way that it feels with all the pain, the hurt, the despair that can happen when you keep him out of the equation so that you can be able to see him in all of his power and glory if you should accept him. Now watch closely. If two people choose one another, they can openly be involved in a relationship called a loving relationship. Can I hear an amen? So for good... I mean, for, forgive me, for love to exist, there must therefore be the propensity for evil. Hello. So if God says, you're going to follow me, and if you don't follow me, you can do it your way. If you do it your way, listen, God is love, God is pure, God is light, God is gracious, God is kind, God is giving. God is everything that is morally good. He defined that, not our culture, not our opinion. Can I hear an amen? And if that is true and we reject his ways and his Bible and his principles, then all there is is hell. That is what hell is. It is the void of good, God, light, peace, joy, his presence. Can I hear an amen? I want you to understand today that God allows this world to run amok because, hear this, this world in all of its dysfunction, in all of its broken down nests, is a temporary dysfunctional world. It is not eternal. Many people say, like my wife just came back from Spain. She was asked by the district to go with them to Spain and to um, also to, um, to Greece. And they went and they worked with these women who were in the sex trade and, and they went out to the streets and they helped these women that literally were wearing high heels and nothing else. They were prostituting their bodies out in 30 degree weather. Hear me today with nothing on, and they would just wait for the john. They'd stand by a fire, and they'd wait there until they got picked up in a car, and then they'd get dropped off again, one after the another, one after the other, being violated, hurt. Some of them, hear me, were sold into this situation by their own parents, knowingly, because their parents wanted money. Some were deceived into it. Some were kidnapped. And these women gave themselves over and over to these johns through the night. And my wife comes back broken as she begins to tell of the, the home that we have out there with the Assemblies of God. And that we've been getting these women these rehabilitative sort of services. And she comes back in tears telling me, how can this be? This is so wicked. Listen, this is a temporarily wicked world. Those who say God cannot be loving in a world like this don't understand, hear me, the, 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 the deep power of, of this one word, eternity. 
Eternity is forever. And in a blink of an eye, your 70, 80, 90 years, 120 years can go. And then those who never repented will answer to a living God who will judge them. He'll judge, hear me, the Muammar Gaddafis. He will judge these evil people like the, um, <coughs> forgive me, like these um, dictators in different nations, the Adolf Hitlers. He will judge these different Mussolinis. He will judge these parents that abuse and neglect their children. He will judge them if they do not turn. Because, listen, as I previously spoke to you, sin is a weighty matter. Sin is the rejection of God, his will, his purpose, his plan, his way. And when you reject that, that brings the dominion of hell onto earth. This is what sin did. This is why Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave on earth. Because death and hell and the grave's dominion reached out and touched earth. So Christ redeemed that. I don't have time to get into that today. But I want to tell you this clearly today. If Jesus is who he says he is, if he really did what he said he did, if he really was this historical figure, then he has a lot to say about your life. And it is a big deal to not slough him off today. And just say, you know, whatever. No, there's no whatever. See, I came from Generation X, so we kind of mastered that term, whatever. We used to drive our parents crazy, right? So I was born in the 70s. So like, you, you, we, you know, like our generation, Generation X, like we mastered this word, whatever. Like mom be like, hey, Phil, blah, blah, whatever, mom. And then we took it to another expletive. Like, just bleep it. That was our mentality. Today, I want to tell you something. You can't tell West Side whatever to Jesus. You're going to wreck your life. If Jesus really is who he says he is, you owe it to him. You owe it to him to tell him thank you. You owe it to him to live like he really lived. You owe it to him to be the wife that God called you to be, to live pure in your body. You owe it to be the father that God empowers you to be through his spirit. You owe it. Matter of fact, the scripture tells us this way, that we should give God the benefit of his suffering. That Jesus suffered so that you could birth forth his character. Are you, aren't you sick of carrying the burdens of other people on your back? Don't you ever sometimes just get sick and tired of carrying the woundings of yesterday and allowing that to poison the opportunities of peace today? Don't you just get sick of that? I know I did. I know what it's like to get my parents who were serving in a church kicked out of a church that they didn't deserve it and how it made me sick to my stomach to see Christians act like they hated me. The same people who we brought into our houses for Christmas and events and experience even that as myself as people have turned their back on me. I hate that, but you know what? I will not make that turn me into an animal. Your rejection is not more powerful than Jesus' acceptance. The cross speaks greater than people's rejection. At what point is your mother's dis disappointment in your life and the fact that you never made enough money and that you never fit up to her expectations, how long will that dominate you to try and prove yourself to, to the world that you're important? 
At what point when the scripture says you've been fully accepted in the beloved, does that have to take root in you and then change you and change your perspective and prove to the world that Jesus is more powerful, that Jesus really lives, that Jesus' power is greater than what you're facing today. So I want to encourage you today that if you're struggling with your self-esteem, you don't need to struggle anymore. Jesus revealed your worth on the cross. And not only that, he revealed his power when he rose from the dead because Jesus really lives. So go show them what that looks like. Show them what forgiveness looks like. Given to people that don't even deserve it. Oh man, there's nothing more Christ-like than forgiving someone who doesn't deserve it. I'm a testimony of His grace. People don't have to earn your favor. You didn't earn God's. Who do you think you are to hold back your heart in the house of God from the community of God and make people prove themselves to you? Who do you think you are? You are the hands of Jesus. Humble yourself. Some of us are so caught up in the religious mentality. Listen, Jesus was sacrificed between two thieves. One's religious pride. Hear me today. I'm speaking prophetically. And one's human wisdom. And man, we have got to hear me today. We have got to come to the place where we manifest Jesus. That was the whole goal of him dying. Because he lives, you shall live. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. The same spirit, his eminence, his personality, his animation should manifest in you. At some point, you got to change. And here's the good news. It's not on you to be a good boy or a good girl. The great news is this, that if you will open up your heart, you don't got to try hard. You just got to believe that he's there. And the Bible says the same works, ergon in the Greek, that it's, it comes from this, this beautiful word, the same pattern of behavior, ergon, E-R-G-O-N, it's our English transliteration. The same works that Jesus did, he says, you shall do. He's not talking about raising the dead in that moment. He's not talking about casting out demons. He's talking about living a loving life where you forgive people and start over. Could you imagine what life would be like if you started over? It's not that simple, Pastor, I've been hurt. No, it is that simple. Jesus bore your wounds on the cross. Jesus really lives. And in his life, listen, he's able to deliver you to the uttermost. There's not having to be, there doesn't have to be a place in your heart that is not totally set free. The Bible teaches us, he who the Son will set free will be free indeed. What a blessing it is to hang out with you every week. I want to say thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to sit with us and to sit under the ministry here at Nations Church LA. We have a vision as a multi-generational, multicultural, multi-ethnic church. We really have a vision to reach the world. Matthew 28 is our credo. We're thankful that you're a part of that as we make disciples of all nations. Amen. God bless you. Thank you again for tuning in. Can't wait to talk to you next time. And remember, keep it real with God and keep it real with others.